0: Who's in charge?
1: That would be one Carlos. <laughs> hmm. Hello, everyone. I'm Kimberly Adams. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense.
0: I'm Kyle Rizdahl. Thank you for joining us on this Wednesday. It's uh, the 29th of November, I think.
1: Yes, it is. How was your holiday, by the way?
0: It was very, very nice. All the kids were back. My mom was here for a Spot on Perfect Two Days. Uh nice. And, um, <laughs> you know, we had, uh, we had 14 people for Thanksgiving dinner. It was really nice. What about you?
1: Oof. Oh, it was good. It was good. Uh, I was at my mother's house. There were many children. Many children. Uh, I love them all. They were nice. children. Um, <laughs> and, uh, no, we all had a great time. It was good. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we are going to do some news. We're going to do some smiles. So let's get to it. Kai, what you got?
0: I think it's a singular smile today, by the way. I did not find anything that struck my fancy. I'm not cranky. I'm not grumpy. That's I just okay. I didn't find anything that did it for me today. Uh, so... Uh, This is a little uh, uh, off the beaten path of the news these days, of the macroeconomic news, of the general political news in this economy. I found an item—there that was an item today in the Wall Street Journal that I found very interesting and somewhat discouraging. General Motors, Mm. uh, CEO Mary Barra, uh, who has been making a play for electric cars and on this program, in fact, made a whole long spiel about why GM is going to go electric— Maybe not so fast. From the Wall Street Journal Mm -hmm. today, General Motors plans to sharply increase cash returns to shareholders as Chief Executive Mary Barr seeks to reinsure investors about the health of GM's core car-making business after setbacks in fledgling pursuits such as electric and driverless vehicles. Driverless vehicles we know about. They're really challenging. It's super hard, way harder than anybody thought. EVs, though, they're really expensive to make, but I think you got to make them. And this is not a great sign that GM is, like, worried that people are going to turn on them because they want to make EVs. So $10 billion worth of share buybacks will make investors feel better. I don't know if it's going to make the planet feel better.
1: You know what stuck uh, with me when I saw those uh, buyback numbers and and dividends and whatever um, was that we just came out of these bruising UAW negotiations, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And the the car makers talking about what they could and could not do in terms of um, money to the workers and things like that. And now that the deal is done, it's like, and here's $10 billion to shareholders.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah. And there's there's also, so, sorry, another item in the journal today, which which I probably should have piggybacked on this one. Sean Fain, the CEO, it's, uh, I guess he's the president of the United Auto Workers, mm-hmm. um, has been vocal about his desire to expand unionization. He said at some point either today or in the last couple of days, when we go to renegotiate these contracts in 2028, it's not going to be against the big three. It's going to be against mm-hmm. the big five or six. It's going to be Toyota and Mercedes and other plants, mostly in the south, that are not unionized. Tesla. But Tesla, right. Also getting into electric vehicle makers and battery makers and all that jazz. So the the EV sphere is going to become more unionized. So it's it's uh, there there are challenging times ahead, but we still gotta get there, is what I'm saying.
1: Or they're going to attempt it. It will depend a lot on sort of what administration is uh, in place uh, yes. and what the NLRB looks like in in yeah. in that moment. Uh so For sure. yeah. elections For sure. consequences as it yes. were. Totally. totally. Um so this is a pretty wonky and complicated case, but it actually is important. So I hope you all will bear through me as I walk through sort of these three arguments that these, uh, the case is making as to why the SEC as it currently exists should not exist this way. So here it is in SCOTUS blog. So the first one is this idea that, um, everybody in the United States under the Constitution should have a right to a trial by jury. And the way the SEC is set up with these administrative law judges operating without a jury and therefore it is unfair. And so rather than the SEC being able to charge someone and convict somebody in-house, charge them fines, people should have a right to a jury trial. The second question, and I'm reading here from SCOTUS blog, is whether Congress can delegate to the Securities and Exchange Commission the power to decide whether or not a case should be pursued as an administrative an administrative proceeding or a civil enforcement action that is either within the agency or within the federal court system. And so this is the idea that Congress can't give away um, powers that the Constitution is granted to Congress, and that's what they're doing with the Securities and Exchange Commission. And then the third one is the way that the judges within the SEC who make these decisions have their jobs and keep their jobs in some technical way about the multiple levels that protect them from removal. So all three of these arguments are designed to weaken the Securities and Exchange Commission, not just for the sake of you know hedge fund managers being able to avoid fines, but also it's the latest attack on the administrative state, which we've talked about quite a bit on here, mm-hmm. this idea that the way – the federal government works is that agencies will pass regu- agencies will make regulations to interpret the laws passed by congress and the agencies themselves are often the enforcement mechanism whether it be because they're issuing fines or because they're taking people to federal court or businesses to federal court but a lot of the times they do the work in house they will say that somebody has, you know, in under the EPA made an environmental violation, and then they will fine you for it. And you can sue saying that fine was unjust, but, you know, it's done kind of in-house. And this is an attack on that system. And if this case goes in the favor of the plaintiffs, it could substantially, you know, turn over the way that federal agencies work and just to sort of walk through what this would look like. Imagine if, you know, you reported to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau that your credit card company was scamming you and charging you all these fees. And the CFPB went and found that they were doing that to tons and tons of people. And they say, stop doing that. And here's a fine. You have to pay it. They would have done all that in house. Uh, if, if this goes the way of the plaintiffs, Maybe that credit card company would say, no, we want to go to a jury trial. And what that would mean in practice is that in order to enforce a lot of regulations, the federal government would have to use up a lot more lawyers, a lot more time and a lot more resources, which would probably lead to less enforcement, which might be the goal here. So uh, that was one thing.
0: Uh, So, look, I think that's – no, it wasn't wonky. Well, it is wonky, but it's super important. (laughs) I think that is the goal here, right? Less enforcement. It's letting Mm -hmm. the free market work and getting government out of the economy and all that stuff that you hear from the GOP. But here's the bottom line. The administrative state is how this economy works, full stop. And if you dismantle the administrative state, well, do I have to go on? Uh, It's (laughs) – I just – you know? Yeah. And the real the real challenge here is the Supreme Court, as currently constituted, may well buy into this argument,
1: right? And that's what the story. Uh, there's a story in the Hill that we'll link in the show notes. That you know, the a lot of these conservative justices seem you know kind of on board with it. They're like, so you know, if you are sued by a if you're a company sued by a person, you. For monetary damages, you can ask for a jury trial. But if you're a company yep. sued by the government, you can't ask for a jury trial. That doesn't make sense. And so we're going to hear a lot of these, these arguments. But, you know, the practical yep. implications of it are pretty significant. Um, one other quick thing just to flag. With uh, the Supreme Court in at the beginning of December, the court is going to hear oral arguments on Harrington versus Purdue Pharma, which is that oh. challenge we've talked about before of the U.S. Court of Appeals approving that deal to settle, um, you know, some of those, uh, mm-hmm. you know, opioid lawsuits while protecting the Sackler families. Assets right. and not, you know, making them vulnerable to future lawsuits. And and what they were saying in Scotus blog about this is that it's not just about this one case, but also about this uh, system that's become very popular in recent years of using the bankruptcy process to kind mm-hmm. of get out of class action lawsuits and and the, you know, consequences thereof. So yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: No, that's an- another interesting case week. to watch. Lots going on.
1: Sure. Mm-hmm. All right. All right smiles.
0: That'd be Smile Singular singular because I just didn't find (laughs) it. Yes, Yes. go ahead. You go.
1: But I love this. This was a great story that I read this morning in the Washington Post. I think it uh, came out yesterday. But it's an opinion piece in the Washington Post by Dev Shaw. And it says, I won the National Spelling Bee. This is what it takes to master spelling. And, you know, when I started reading this, I'm expecting to read about his, you know, wild study habits and how he spent all this other time. And, you know... that's not at all what this piece is about. He says, "'How did I finally break through?' There are almost half a million words in English dictionaries, add in thousands of roots and hundreds of language patterns, and it is impossible to memorize everything. Mm. Once I realized that, I changed the way I, tra- I trained and started focusing on sharpening my intuition. The skill of mm. guessing is everything. Though I could and did study words for hours on end, I knew my greatest asset would be learning to guess correctly. In stressful situations, mm. sometimes you just have to breathe, steady yourself, and leave things to chance. And he goes on to describe how, you know, you when once you learn enough about language and roots and whether they're Greek or whether they're Latin and how in fr- words that have their origins in French may have different endings depending on whether they're nouns or adverbs. And if you learn enough of these rules about how the English language usually works, then what you can do is just make guesses And hope for the best. And that's what he was doing with a lot of these challenging words. And, um, you know, I really encourage people to read this. But, you know, he ends it by saying, winning the spelling bee is worth more than having an impressive line on my resume. Spelling has better prepared me for life. Competitive spelling teaches you to be unafraid to take risks. No matter how well we Hmm. may think we know something, eventually we all have to take a guess.
0: I love that. That's great take a deep breath.
1: I love it Trust too. It was uh, a yeah. it was a really nice piece. I really encourage folks to read it.
0: It's really nice. We will, uh, of course, yeah. put it on the show page. We are done for the day. Back tomorrow uh, on a Thursday, we'll play some sound uh, from the week and and uh, sort of talk about that. Before we go, a quick update on Giving Tuesday, which was yesterday. Listeners, which is uh, all y'all, contributed more than $98,000. We were oh so close to unlocking those extra challenge funds. It is an amazing show of support for the work we do here in Marketplace and on this podcast and everything else that we do in this production house. We're going to get another whack at, at that uh, matching grant. Later this year. So if you haven't yet made a gift, um, hang on. It's coming to you. We'll give you more chances. Yes. We promise.
1: Yes. We promise. And thank you, everybody who did contribute. To, th- we appreciate it. Yes, please and thank you. Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Bergseeker Seeker Ellen Rolf writes our newsletter. Today's program was engineered by Juan Carlos Dorado. And our intern is Neela Farshabandi.
0: Ben Tallade and Daniel Ramirez composed our theme music. Our senior producer is Marissa Cabrera. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcasts. Francesca Levy is the executive director of Digital and On Demand.